0: are starting a brand new series today uh, for the next eight weeks on enjoying holiness by divine help and I would like to welcome those who are also worshipping with us through LifeGate Outreach TV or listening to our podcast messages online, I would like to welcome you and uh, also to say to you that the Lord God Almighty will surely reach you where you are and will bless you abundantly in Jesus name. So we're truly grateful for the privilege that he's given to us to start this brand new series on enjoying holiness by divine help. Enjoying holiness by divine help. We are called to a life of holiness as a body of Christ and as a people who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, we must always remember this. We are called to live a life of holiness. But we must understand that God is the one who helps us. And uh, we're going to be looking at the many attributes of God that help us to live and walk in holiness throughout this series, over the next uh, eight weeks, as I've said, throughout the month of May and June. So, this series will take us through a journey of examining the attributes of God the Father. You see, everything that God is, is an expression of His holiness. The Bible says He is holy. So everything that he is, is an expression of his holiness. It is impossible for us to go through all the names of God in totality. But I want to assure you that every name that God has is an expression of his holiness and it is to help us to walk in holiness. Mention the name, any name, Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals us and that expression of his holiness helps us as a people to also walk in holiness as he gives us divine health because he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals us. So we're looking at one of his very fundamental names today in our series as we start. The name Abba, Abba, the name Father. You see, the God that created the heavens and the earth is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We all know this by now. And he is called Abba Father. The expression of Abba is to qualify his fatherhood, as we will soon see in today's uh, sharing. But I like this picture that depicts uh, this phrase or this name of God. We can see a very big hand reaching out to a much smaller hand. I see that big hand as the divine hand of God, the divine expression of God reaching out to help the limited man or man that is lacking capacity, man that is limited in his thinking, limited in his way, and reaching out to help him out up and out of every dungeon, every pit, every sin, every reproach. This is what Abba Father is. There are many pictures that typify this. At times you can see pictures that represent a father carrying a child across dangerous terrains. You can see a father that is providing for children. Any kind of picture like that Represents the depiction of Abba Father. And so we must understand that as He is Abba Father, He has called us into a life of holiness. And holiness is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. I said this to you last week, just as a prelude to this message. Holiness has been seen as a set of rules and a set of dogmas, a sort of things that we must perform and try to tick boxes on a daily basis. And when we see holiness from this perspective, it becomes a very difficult thing to fulfill. What we must all understand is that holiness is of the Lord. And why he has given it to us is so that we enjoy the freedom from sin like he has been sinless himself. So God the Father is holy and he commands us also to be holy. So every time we think about God the Father, we must always remember that everything starts from him. The origin of our holiness is God the Father himself. You see, God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Let's look at that in 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. He said, you all be holy as I am holy. So, God cannot ask us to be what he is not. And he cannot ask us to be what we cannot become. He is holy. He is the standard. And he is the enabler. He, he knows that he has put in us what it takes to be holy. And as long as we are connected to him, we also will walk in holiness. Praise the Lord. Look at what he said in First Peter chapter 1. We read it earlier, but I want to just emphasize a few more verses from verse 3. Let's read together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Somebody say he has begotten us. Please stay on verse 3. I want to emphasize some things. We are blessing the name of the Lord, the God and Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he has begotten us. Now. Look at this very well. John 3, 16. Let's read it. You don't need to turn to it. You know it by now. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His only, somebody say only, Only. begotten Begotten. Son." son. Let's read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, is Peter saying that There is a contradiction. The Bible says he has begotten us also. But the Bible says Christ is his only begotten son. So what is he saying? What's the confusion? There is no confusion. You and I are not begotten as Christ was begotten, but you and I have become adopted. Hallelujah. And our adoption gave us every right to be called begotten sons. Amen. And so we must understand this in the context That God has begotten us again to a living hope. And he did it through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's go to verse 4. We're going to be reading a lot of scriptures. So please make sure you are taking notes as much as you can. So that um, you can reflect on these later on. Verse 4. Let's read. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away reserved in heaven for you, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the inheritance that we have. And the Bible says that we are bought with that inheritance. It is incorruptible. It is undefiled, and it does not fade away. This is a kingdom we have been brought into that is not a kingdom that has an end. The Bible says when Jesus was to be born, he said of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. So every one of us called incorruptible, called into this undefiled hope, we are called into a hope that is undefiled and will never fade away. It is reserved. The ultimate glory is reserved in heaven for you and I. And may we walk in the fullness of it in Jesus' name. The Bible says we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed. Now, why are we emphasizing these things? We must understand that if God admonishes us to walk in holiness and he has reserved the glorious inheritance for us in heaven, we must also know that we are kept by his power. We are kept by his power. The, that is why Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For what? It is the power of God unto salvation. The message of the cross is the power unto salvation. So every time we meditate on the word of God, and we meditate on God the Father who has called us into this glorious inheritance, we give ourselves the energy and the impetus to continue to walk in the kept power of through faith, so that we can uh, attain our ultimate salvation. The reason why we find it difficult to walk in holiness as a body of Christ is because many times we are trying to walk in line with our flesh and our efforts and our energies. And what we must realize is that God never called any man to walk in their own efforts to be holy. In fact, he said there is no kind of righteousness that we can put up by ourselves that can ever be acceptable. We are made righteous in Christ Jesus because of the resurrection and we are kept by the power of God, the Father, who through faith that we believe has kept us for salvation. So this is why he admonishes us to be holy. Let's go on. We are still in chapter one. Let's go to verse 13. First Peter chapter one, verse 13. It says, therefore, let's read together. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon what? The grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Please pause there a minute. When you and I got born again, there was a grace that was brought to us by the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is called the grace for conversion. So when that grace was released to us, we gave our lives to Christ and we became righteous. But the Bible says we must now rest our hope fully upon that grace that it is to be brought to us. So what is it that is to happen in the future? If we are born again now, what is it? He said that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to know that in your faith walk, line upon line, precept upon precept, Christ is being revealed. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Colossians one27 we're not turning to it, but note it. He said that there is a mystery that was hidden from ages and for generations. He said that that mystery is Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. Where God is taking you and I to ultimately is going to be attained as we continue to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is why we pray every day. This is why we read the Bible every day. This is why we fellowship every time. Because every time we worship, we gain a deeper expression of that revelation of who he is. And then our holiness and our holiness, our work of holiness is expressed in the power that it brings through that revelation. Praise the Lord. This is why a believer must never aim to do life without any of these things. Without prayer, without studying the word of God, without sharing the word of God. Because the Bible says that gospel that we share is power unto salvation. And also without fellowship. The Bible says when we gather in Mount Zion, we have come to the city of the most high God. We have come to the place where there are the innumerable company of angels. They have been dispatched to help us in the work of holiness. They have been dispatched to make sure that we don't bash our feet against a stone. It's not just a physical tripping of your feet that they are helping you to do. They also prevent you from bashing your feet against a stone spiritually. They also prevent you from going into temptations and falling for temptations and things that have been set by the enemy to consume you in your work of holiness. This is why we must continue to embrace the the fullness of everything God has provided for us as a father so that we can continue to take advantage of our work of holiness in him. Let's go to verse 14. He said, as obedient children, read it now, verse 14. As obedient children, not confirming yourself to the former laws, as in your ignorance. This is all. Make a decision to look forward. When God rescued Lot and his family from Sodom, there was only one simple instruction. Keep going, keep looking forward. Because when you look back, you'll become a pillar of salt. You'll become stagnated, you'll become a memoriam. And so what happened to Lot's wife was the Bible says that she looked back. Of course, theologians have argued that to mean many things, that because it took no property and all that and all that, and she was thinking about gold and all that. All that is man's objection. But the reality is that she looked back. But the Bible says we should not conform ourselves to the former lusts. If any man being Christ is a new creation, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Let us understand the context. The former lusts do not die off. They do not vanish. What believers think is that because you have become born again, the former lusts just vanish. The things that you would like to do in the flesh would just vanish. No, that's not what he's saying. Look at verse 14 very well. He says, if you are an obedient child, you must not conform you must make up your mind to conform to the things of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, he said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, the former losts. But be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You wash your mind by the washing of the water by the word. The more you engage with the word of God. And you see God the father. And you appreciate what he has done. And then you see the revelation of Jesus Christ. It helps you to continue not to conform to your former lusts. Verse 15. He said, but... As you, let's read verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. In what? All your conduct. Verse 16, because it is written, verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. As he who called us is holy, we also must be holy. We should not conform to our former lusts. We should not conform to the pattern of this world. But we must be holy. Because he is holy. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 17 together. Very loud. And if you call on the father. Who without partiality. Judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourselves. Throughout the time of your stay here. In fear. This fear is not the fear of the devil is not the fear of satan but the fear of what god conduct yourself in fear and in reverence now this is say to say to yourself this is my responsibility to call on the father and to conduct myself throughout my time on this earth in the fear of god this is my responsibility this is my responsibility so every day i wake up I submit and surrender myself to the fear of God. I say, Lord, help me today to conduct myself my, to conduct myself in the fear of God. Now, don't get me wrong, this is not about trying to live right. This is about a submission to the power that helps me to live right. This is about a humility before God, saying that Lord, you are the one who judges without partiality, according to each one's walk, to each one's determination to have a walk with God. So we are to manifest true sonship of the Father, who through adoption has made us joint heirs with Christ, his only begotten son. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Somebody say, Abba, Father. Father. Say, "I I love you. Say, Abba, Father. I thank you. you. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Let's read that together. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. Verse 17. And if Children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Hallelujah. Amen. We must understand that we have been adopted. The Bible says we did not receive again the spirit of bondage to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption. The power of adoption like I explained earlier on is the power that translates a person completely into another family that they were not biologically linked to from the beginning. By the grace of God, I am blessed with three children biologically on this whole earth. Everywhere the record is those three children. But the reality is that if I adopt, officially adopt 30 children And the papers are put through and they begin to bear my name. Those 30 children have every right like the three that were born biologically to also say father. And everywhere they go, they say, who is your father? They mention my name because they have been adopted by my own free will. They have been adopted by my own desire and my own intention and my own agreement and my own power. I have adopted them and they have legally become mine. This is what the Bible says. We did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption. So we also can cry, Abba, Father. The same way Jesus on the cross said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The same way he said, Father, why? My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? When the father had to look away because of your sin and my sin just to complete this process. But as soon as the father whose eyes will not behold iniquity could let his son take on the sins and nail them to the cross, he opened his eyes again and the son said, Father, now into your hands I commend my spirit. The same right and the same way he was translated from that point to sit at the right hand of God the Father is the same way we have God manifest in translating our lives every time we also cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. Your life will never remain the same when you understand the spirit of adoption. Your perception of who you are, your ability to live for God and to live in the holiness of God will never remain the same again because you understand the spirit of adoption. Being adopted into the family of God, we have been redeemed from the curse of sin because we are now joint heirs with Christ Jesus. The Bible says concerning our joint heir, Jesus Christ, he knew no sin and he became sin for us. He has paid the price of every sin you have ever committed and every sin you will ever commit. He has paid the price. You must understand that you are a joint heir with Christ and the devil must never hold you down again in the name of Jesus. Look at what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 from verse 6. Write it down. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, and because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Crying out what? Abba, Father. Verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. You are no longer a slave. Tell your neighbor for me, you are no longer a slave. No longer a slave to sin. No longer a slave to Satan. But you are a son. You are a son. And if you are a son. Then you are an heir. Of God. Through Christ. Hallelujah. This should bring you joy. On a daily basis. The name Abba Father. Is one of the most significant names of God. I want you to come along this journey with us over the next eight weeks. We'll be looking at some names of God. We picked some because eight out of the thousands of names he has is just, you know, a very little sample. But I picked some that we hardly talk about for the next eight weeks as we'll be looking at Many times we talk about Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, we know those ones. So I picked some that we really don't usually take time to emphasize, especially as it helps us in the work of holiness. Abba Father is a name that he has. When we know and understand this name, it helps us to know how he relates to us. The word Abba in Aramaic word is translated as daddy. It signifies a close, intimate relationship between a father to his child it also represents the childlike response of that child to his father. You see, I always make this emphasis. God does not want us to be childish, but he wants us to be childlike. If you read the scriptures, God wants us to be childlike, but he doesn't want us to be childish. Many of us mix it up. The moment we hear child, we think God doesn't want us to be any of it. Paul said when in First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. He said, but when I, and I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. He said, but when I became a man, don't worry, don't turn to it, just live, live, live where we are. He said, but when I became a man, I threw away childish things, childish things, not childlike things. In understanding, he said we should be like men. We should be matured. He said as newborn babes, we should desire the sincere milk of the world that we may d- grow thereby. So God doesn't want us to remain childish, but he wants us to be childlike. Jesus said that there is no one who will come into this kingdom and make any impact on this in this kingdom if he does not become like a child. So childlikeness is not the same thing as childishness. And the believers must understand when we say Amber Father, we are simply being childlike. We are being childlike. We are being in that place where we are vulnerable. How many of you parents here would remember that when your children were four years old, two years old, three years old, anytime you came back from a trip, they ran to meet you and say, Welcome, Papa, welcome, Mama. But as they turned 10, 11, 12, they say, hi. <laughs> and then by the time they are 17, you'll even be looking for them. Are, Where are you? <laughs> because they are no more childlike. Now, God, in, in <laughs> praise the Lord, in, in the reality of life, God wants us to grow. We don't want our children at 20 coming to meet us as they say, hey, daddy, daddy, daddy. No, you'll not be happy at all. <laughs> you don't want it. So that's not what we're we're saying. We don't want that as well. We want a matured man, a young man, to come to you and say, Dad, how are you? And discuss with you like a, a 20 year old should discuss. That's fine. But you see, in the spirit, it works the other way. In the spirit, the more we grow, the more we should become more childlike. The more we should rely on God, the more. This is the mystery. The more you know God, the more you be saying, Abba, Father, like a child, the more. The more you should be able to cry in his presence. The more you should be able to worship him like a child would worship. The more you should be able to submit to him as if you are totally vulnerable and you have no idea of any help you can get from anywhere else but from him. This is how it works in the spirit. Childlikeness is what God expects of us at every point in our journey. Always waking up and saying, Abba, Father like a child would call upon his father. And I pray that God will continue to grant us understanding in the name of Jesus. Being a child of God and having the right to truly call him Abba Father is an exclusive preserve of born-again Christians. John chapter 1 verse 12, let's turn to that. John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. We must understand that God desires the sonship of everyone he created, but nobody becomes an adopted son without receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. John chapter 1, verse 12, let's read it. But as many as received him, talking about Christ, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. As many as received, as many as believed. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but what? Of God. As many as received him. So I want us to understand that as Christians, we are the ones that have the exclusive preserve to be able to call him father. This is why other faiths do not call God father. They call him God. They call him whatever name they want to name him. They call him the most beneficial, most gracious. They use those phrases as well. They call the God that they serve. They call them those names, but never do they call him Father. Only Christians, only believers have the right to say Abba, Father. Like I used the illustration before, that no matter how a child, I love a child and I I thank God for them, No matter how, unless I adopt them, they cannot call me father in the real sense of fatherhood as far as biological linkages are concerned. Of course, we can have spiritual fathers and all that. But I'm talking about those who can put down their name and on their passports and on their documents. They will carry the same surname with myself unless they came from my biological lineage or they come as a result of my adopting them. They cannot. So only born again Christians have the exclusive rights to be called, to call him Abba Father. This is why when we pray for unbelievers, when we say, Father, have mercy, be careful. Not to say, Father, have mercy on this, your child, if the person is yet to be born again. Be careful, because that person is not yet his child. That person is not yet his son. The mercy of God covers every human being on earth. So what you do, you say, my father, I come to you. And you pray as a son, praise to the father. You say, I pray for this wonderful person. I pray for this wonderful person that you have created. I pray that their lives will receive a touch of your mercy. Or whatever you want to pray as led by the Holy Spirit. But never call anyone a child of God if they have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. And I pray that God will continue to help us to make the most of our own sonship in Jesus' name. Galatians 3.26. The Bible says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That is what makes us sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. And so, this must give us an assurance. Every true son must, of necessity, have this great understanding and deep revelations about who we are. And as we understand the Father in the physical that chastens us or chastises us from time to time, a loving Father, this is how we must also allow God to lovingly chastise us so that we can partake of His holiness. This is very important. Every father that loves his child will always speak to the child and watch the child grow in the things of God, grow in the ways of God, and chastise them when necessary. I didn't say abuse them, but they chastise them when necessary. Where it is necessary to correct a child, you you correct them with the measure of the chastisement that is due. At times, some chastisement means you just speak a word of rebuke and say, stop doing that. At times, the chastisement can be a bit more than that. And I will not explain what that means. But it can be a bit more than that, so that you can drive home the message very well. And then the child will understand that God, uh, my my father, is trying to help me. Hallelujah. And that is the same way we must rely on our father. At times, he chastises us by just speaking to us. He just says to us, my son, stop doing this. My son, this is not my way for you. My daughter, this is not what I desire for you. But there are times he comes in physically to disrupt our processes. He disrupts our movement. He makes it a little bit tough for us, not because he hates us, but because he wants us to do right and enjoy good. Hallelujah. We went through this a bit in the course of our discussion on affliction by probation last week. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Say, furthermore, we have had human fathers... Who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? We paid them respect. My father, by the grace of God, is 84 years old this year by September. And my mom just turned 82 just a few days back on the 1st of May. And uh, I called them uh, 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 a few days back, and we were just talking, and we were remembering a lot of things. Every time I speak to my father, I thank him. I thank him for the discipline. I thank him for the way he brought us up to fear God, not compromising. I thank him for the way he made us see life in good time. At that time, we did not like it. At that time, many of those things we felt he was too harsh. At that time, many of those things we felt he was too rigid. But today, when I look back almost 50 years on, I am ever grateful. The Bible says that when we have such parents, we show them respect. Shall we not much more be readily in subjection to the Father of the Spirits and live? The fathers who gave to us, who gave birth to us physically, we respect them because of how they, they raised us up. How about the Father of the Spirits? The Bible says anyone who is born of God is a spirit. John chapter 3 verse 8. Yeah? Anyone who is born of God is a spirit. So we are all born again. He is our Father and he is the Father of the Spirits. He said, won't we respect him and live? That, that word live there means, would you respect him and live like him? Eternal life, a life of holiness, a life that is devoid of sin, a life that has mastery over the things that the devil keeps bringing our way. Praise the Lord. Verse 10, he said, for they indeed, these are our natural fathers now, they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he, God, the father, for our profit." That we may be partakers of what? His holiness. He chastises us so that we can be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11. Let's read verse 11 together. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but what? Painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. May God continue to allow us to be trained by it. In the name of Jesus. It's just a matter of time. When you come through that process, the Bible says, like we read last week in the book of Job, he said you will come through that process and you will become refined as pure gold. Your life will be qualitative. Your life will be deep. Your life will have the roots. The reason why believers are wishy-washy today is because we are not allowing God the Father to chasten us. We are not waiting patiently. People would get angry and leave churches. When the word of God is hitting them and they should take it and be transformed and allow their lives to be deeper and be trained by it, they get angry and they leave. And then they go to the place where it seems as if they're going to be okay. But give them another one or two years at the most, they will leave again. Because they are not willing to endure the pain of chastisement. They are not willing to endure the pain of chastisement. The pain of being in a place where everything has already been provided by God only for us to grow in it. This is the difference between the prodigal son and his elder brother. The prodigal son could not wait. He left and the father knew that this guy has no capacity to go and live on his own but he left him to go. And that was why the moment he came back and the elder one was not happy and was furious that they were celebrating his return, the father said to him, he said, why are you upset? Everything that I have is yours. I only need you to grow and be matured in this empire. There is nothing here that is not yours. Hallelujah. But the younger one could not endure in the place of that discipline where they are still confined and they know when they come in and go out. He wanted to go and live by himself. This is the problem in the body of Christ today. This is why we're finding it difficult to disciple people because we ourselves, in many cases, we have been in the faith for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but there is no deep uh, revelation of God and not being chastened, not being trained by it enough, so we are finding it difficult to guide others and bring them up in the faith. There is no way you can disciple people and take them through a journey you have never been. No way. No, we must all understand very clearly that God's intention is that every one of us be chastened by it. Some of us have seen things that have long gone. How many of you have ever been this close to a knife of a militant that is about to kill you? How many? How many of you? Where, it, where there is an Islamic riot and they are killing Christians, you saw somebody being slaughtered in your front like this. And you are in the mob. And you, God just delivers you by a nick of, of time that you would have been killed. How many of you? How many people have been to villages where there is no light, no power supply, no running water? And you were there for three days drinking muddy water just to preach the gospel, not doing engineering work. <laughs> just to preach the gospel. How many? So when, when we are talking that we want to disciple strong Christians, we are saying that those are the things that gave us the foundation to still be on, 30 years on, that doesn't allow the things that blow people away today to, to, to harass them. People who would walk miles just to get to church. As a 13-year-old, I would leave our school. There was no uh, campus uh, church on our, on our school premises. I was in boarding house. I would walk three miles every Sunday. To go to the church that my fathers brought me up in. An evangelical church that was in that town. I was 700 miles away from home. I did not need to do it to impress my parents because they were not there. But a conviction of the fact that there is something about God. And that as I continue to subject myself to it. So if I'm driving an air conditioned car today and I'm feeling cool and I'm going. And somebody is feeling envious. He doesn't know my journey. (laughs) He doesn't know my journey. I have trekked many times for this gospel. God honors our words God honors our words and I tell you the the reality I meant it in good faith that I want us all to go deep and just be a people who are ready to be trained by it in the name of Jesus very quickly before we take our communion today I want to just tell you our father's love helps us in many ways to walk in holiness number one he is a comfort to us in every situation let us remember this Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. He is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He is God in his holy habitation. The Bible says in verse 6, he sets the solitary in families. When you walk with God, Abba Father is a father to the fatherless. The fatherless there does not mean he is just somebody who has lost his earthly father. That means that, but also anytime who feels a disenchantment from God, anytime anytime anybody who feels lonely, Anybody who feels that they do not understand what is happening around them. God the father is a father to them. And he will continue to be a father to you. In the name of Jesus. God sets the solitary in families. He brings us out and he brings those who are bound into prosperity. Hallelujah. The Lord will continue to bring you out into prosperity. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says he sets the solitary In families, you will never find yourself alone again. Anytime you feel lonely and you feel rejected by men, anytime you feel rejected and hurt and betrayed by men, the Father's love will come through for you. I say you will never be in solitary again in the name of Jesus. The Lord will continue to keep you in the godly family. In the name of Jesus. Number two, he rewards every genuine sacrifice. The first thing is that he comforts us in every situation. Number two, he rewards every genuine sacrifice we make. Matthew chapter 6 verse 4. He rewards every genuine sacrifice we make. Matthew 6 verse 4. Let's read that together. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. This is what I want you to understand. Everything you are doing for God, everything you are doing for God, God is seeing it. There are people who come to this sanctuary every week, most, like most of the time on Saturdays. Some wait after the service to clean up and do things and wait one hour, two hours after we have left. God sees those things. Many times I don't even know who, who, who did it, but God sees it. There are people who do things in the, in, the, in the service to God and to humanity that God is seeing everywhere he is. The number of hours I used to prepare for these messages is not, is not human being that can reward. It's God. He sees the number of time, the effort you make to do the things of God and to keep giving and to keep attending to the things of God. God sees, but the Bible says, as you walk with him in holiness, he sees it in secret and he himself will reward you openly. I say he will reward you openly yes. in the name of Jesus. Yes. Number three, he promises to provide for all our needs. Yes. He promises to provide for all our needs. We know that in Matthew six twenty six. He said, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? Tell your neighbor for me, you are of more value value than birds. birds. You are of more value value than 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 the the birds of the air. They do not sow. Nor reap nor gather into bands because our heavenly father feeds them. You say you have more value, you have more value, never forget that you are of more value. So he promises to provide for all our needs. These are things that have hindered people from working effectively in holiness, forgetting that he comforts us, forgetting that he rewards everything we do. A lot of people get discouraged when they are not given personal recognition. That is another problem of our generation. They like to be personally recognized. Until you call their name and say, Brother, sister, apostle, doctor, this. Did this yesterday. <laughs> they, don't, they, are not, they don't feel as yet. But what God is saying is that just do it in the secret. He will reward you openly. And as you serve him, he will keep providing for all your needs. In the name of Jesus. Finally, he is able to mold us into who he desires. We just need to trust him. Many of us are trying to be what we feel we ought to be. Or we are trying to become who God has shown us that we will be. When God showed me the picture of this church one day. And I saw over 3,000 children in a very large hall. There were so many and we, I had to walk through and they were even wearing uniforms in batches. And I said, Lord, when am I, before I could get to where the main auditorium where the adults are, are, are gathering was, I woke up. And they said the other auditorium is where the, the real meeting is. And I, I woke up and I said, Lord, only you can make this happen. And since that day, I put myself at rest. If I want to be tricky... And doing things and manipulating just because I want to see it come to pass, then I'm violating what he said. Please look at Isaiah, look at um, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. He is the potter, we are the clay. He said, But now, O Lord, you are what? Our Father. We are the clay, and you are what? Our potter. And all we are, and all we are the work of your hand. Every one of us is the work of his hand. All you need to do is to leave yourself as clay in his hand. And as the porter spins the wheel, he will start to fashion you out into who God says you will become. I say you will become who he says you will become. Tell your neighbor for me, rest in God. Rest in God. Put your hope in your Father. Say, Abba, Father. Say, Abba, Father. Rise to your feet.